we'd never be back. Did you? No, I was going to say. <laughs> we queued it up that we'd be back. <laughs> I was like, that's, we said see you next Tuesday. Here we are next yeah, I mean, Tuesday. We always say see you next Tuesday. One day it's going to be wrong. One day it's going to be Wednesday. No. Um, yeah, that's Haley. Hi. I'm Caitlin. Mm-hmm. Hi. Uh, this is Crime Culture. Yep. And today is Tuesday. Today is Tuesday. If, if you're in listening the background, on Tuesday. Yeah. If it's if, not, if, then don't think about it. If you're listening on the day. Or it's Monday if you, it. get, if you get to listen to it early. True. Um, Certain Patreon patrons, they get it early. Yes. But um, if in the background, you probably shouldn't be able to hear this because um, we have a noise gate that should cut it out. But um, I am going to be cutting fabric scraps in the background as we're doing this. <laughs> so don't be concerned. That's that. I'm not concerned. <laughs> okay. But, all right. Okay. I don't know. This one, I've been dreading this one. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to everybody. It's not one of the um, ones that you've bumped on the schedule for like two years. It is. Actually. I don't think so. <laughs> this I one I've bumped seen... a couple times. Okay. I haven't, I haven't noticed the title move very much. I... So, okay. I was supposed to do this a few months ago, and I was supposed to do it a bit before that, but it's one where it's just, it's tough. Okay. Um, despite of the good that has come from this case. Um, so for those who are just tuning in, welcome. And if you will be so kind as to look at the, the, the title of today's episode, you'll know that we are talking about Gwen Araujo. Okay. Um, and just right off the top, uh, several trigger warnings. Um, this is about a the murder of a trans girl. Um, there's a lot of violence. There's a lot of uh, sexual violence. And yeah, uh, I would not blame you for wanting to keep yourself safe. That's what matters the most here. Um, so yeah, we you, we had a lot of fun last week. We had the laughs. We had the we had fun. the the substances. But <laughs> yeah, this, this week is isn't going to be fun. One. Okay, and it's funny. It's funny you even say that, Haley, because I seriously thought. And please feel free to let us know if this is something you'd be interested in. I really thought about like halfway through writing this episode, just going, okay, maybe what if I just threw the whole thing out. And instead we did, can Haley guess the crime from Criminal Minds? Like, if it's real or if it's a fake crime. Um, we'll oh, we'll I, definitely do that during, like, the holidays next time or, like, when we need a, a funny, fun time after, like, a, a big dark yes. episode, maybe. Yeah. Yes. And that, but literally that's that's how this this got dark to the point where I was like, you know what, maybe I just scrap this. Um but we no, do host a true crime podcast. It's going to be dark. We host a true crime podcast. It's going to be dark, but also Gwen's story deserves to be told. Um, yeah, I I am sad to say I do not know of this case. At least the the name. I don't I don't recognize it off the title. That might. I the only thing I can think of why. It might, I don't know if it's like because I'm from, not from, from, but because I live in California that I heard about this case. Um, but maybe that's it. Maybe that's not it. Okay. Uh, I do not know. All I know is that this is the story of Gwen 
Araujo. And she was born on February 24th, 1985 to Sylvia Guerrero and Edward Araujo, who divorced when she was 10 months old. Um, disclaimer right up top, uh, some folks choose to use Gwen's dead name when reporting on this. You said uh, before we started uh, even talking that um, it's mentioned at the top of the the doc that you watched about this. Yes, one of the one of the documentaries which I will be naming um at the end as, for those who are just tuning in, we do the pop culture side of things at the end. So stay stay with us. Um but yeah, some of them use it, some of them explain that it is relevant to Gwen's story and to the history of trans rights in California in the country um that may be true to to them that may be what they think i personally just felt a little icky using her dead name so Mm -hmm. i felt it wasn't super relevant to the story to explicitly mention it okay but that being said she was raised as a boy up until july 4th 1999 when she came out to her mom and said that she felt like she was a girl trapped in a boy's body. And at that point, she began transitioning, and she chose her name Gwen after her favorite stinger, singer um, and everybody's favorite Japanese-American, Gwen Stefani. Um, How old was she when she started transitioning? 1999, so was after, when was she born? She was born in 85. Okay. So she was about 14. She was She was like 14 and a half-ish, like okay. 14, almost 15. Uh, not almost, but you know what I mean. I'm going to yeah. stop talking, um, except I'm going to keep going because this is my thing. Uh, so she also went by Lita and Wendy sometimes. So, but Gwen was the name that she chose for herself. However, if you hear later in this episode mention of a Lita or a Gwen or a Wendy, they're all the same person, but she, her name was Gwen. Okay. Um, so Gwen dreamed of becoming a famous makeup artist in Hollywood and her mother, Sylvia said that she suspected her child was gay when they were a toddler, when Gwen was a toddler. Um, but obviously wasn't expecting that her daughter would be trans Mm -hmm. and Gwen's older sister, Pearl later told SF gate that by the time Gwen had reached junior high, she had been tormented by her peers because of her voice and the way that she carried herself. And this caused her grades to slip. And Pearl had always tried to protect her younger sibling. But by the eighth grade, she said people were starting to call Gwen slurs like the F word, which is not cool. Yeah. Um, obviously. But as a result, Gwen ended up transferring to an alternative high school. And even then... It proved to be kind of a tough time for her, so she ended up not returning for the fall 2002 semester when she was about 17 years old. Mm. She had applied for several jobs, but she had been turned down for them because she didn't look like the legal name, her dead name, that she had to write on her application. Oh my god. So, yep. So she, her mother said that she publicly came out as a woman. She was beginning that process of publicly identifying as a woman Mm -hmm. um and around this time in late summer 2002 
She had also begun hanging out with several men that she had met, uh, 22-year-olds Michael Magazin, Jose Morel, or Jose Merrill, uh, Jason Cazares, and, J- and 19-year-old Jaron Neighbors. And the night that they met, Gwen had flirted with all four of the men, and they'd smoked weed together. And according to co- court testimony, Gwen, who they knew, these guys knew as Lita, had hooked up with Michael Magidson and Jose Morel, as well as Jose's older brother, Paul. And Michael and Jose became suspicious that Gwen would push her partner's hands away from her from her um, genitalia during sex. And she was just like, oh, I'm Got on the period. Yeah. Um, so th- they didn't know. Yeah. That she was trans. OK. Yeah. Uh, after she left, Jaron had asked the other three guys, quote, could this be a dude? end quote and Ooh. none of the four men took it seriously but they did say that quote something bad could happen end quote to her if it ended up that she was oh, God. um however they continued to kind of as they as time went on they continued to get more and more suspicious um so the morell household or the merrill household was kind of a party house uh and so as you know, like at a party house, they you go to parties there. So on the night of October third, two thousand two, apparently, I don't know, I was never invited to I've them. I've been told. Um, <laughs> so on October third, two thousand two, Gwen borrowed a peasant blouse and a friend's mini skirt to wear to the party that was being held that night. Um, it was actually the first time that she had ever worn a skirt publicly. Oh, and she probably looks so slay, but I'm also just like this is. Uh, this is making me so nervous yeah uh her mother later told sf gate that it was the first time like i said that she had worn it but that also she had warned gwen that she was afraid that she might still look too quote-unquote manly Mm -hmm. um which that's gotta be that's gotta be rough uh for gwen i'm saying um yeah but yeah so her mom was kind of concerned about her going out like this and gwen was basically just like mom i'll be fine i'll be home later like, you don't need to worry about me. So, Cazares and neighbors were also at this house party, as was Paul Merrill's girlfriend, Nicole Brown. And neighbors later testified that Jose Merrill said that night, quote, I swear if it's a fucking man, I'm going to kill him. If it's a man, she ain't going to leave, end quote. Oh, and Magidson added, quote, I don't know what I'm going to do, end quote. And neighbors replied, quote, Whatever you do, make sure you don't make a mess, end quote. Wow. Yeah. So already, she doesn't know that she's walking into this. Yeah, and none of these people knew her from, uh, like, high school time. I don't think so. I I couldn't really find much on how they met, just when they met. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so Brown said that the four men had been out at a club together and didn't get back to the house when where the party was going on until after midnight on October 4th. And Magidson then went to Gwen and demanded that she reveal her gender or allow him to touch her genitals, which she refused. Oh, God. Understandably. Yeah. Um, and Brown suggested that one of them should inspect Gwen. Um, oh, again, that's, that's, no. that's Nicole Brown, the pinnacle of... Uh, protecting women and girl code um paul merrill's girlfriend just protecting a person like, yeah 
that's but also girl code but also girl code like come on don't don't do that don't be that so brown suggested that one of them should inspect gwen so maggotson took gwen into the bathroom and after half an hour during which jose merrill later confessed he had sex with gwen brown went into the bathroom where she forcibly grabbed gwen's crotch found that she had med genitalia male genitalia and brown was surprised and blurted out quote it's a fucking man end quote the it's really the it's really fucking piss me off this whole story pisses me off it's just very it's it's upsetting um so at this point all hell broke loose and the men became absolutely enraged uh jose merrill like a little bitch vomited when he learned that oh my Gwen God. was yes um and then he began to cry in disbelief saying quote i can't be fucking gay end quote to see that's yes he is that stupid yes actually actually no, you're correct like, he's that stupid it's just like that's a... <laughs> it's the stupid it's 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 stupid so yeah. Brown then testified later that she had tried to comfort Jose after this discovery, which, again, Brown facilitated, um, Uh saying, quote, it's not your fault. I went to high school with you and you were on the football team. Any woman knows you after this. Any woman that knows you after this, it's not going to matter. Just let her go. End quote. I will give you one point, Nicole Brown, for using the correct pronouns yeah but but it but we're starting at a negative six yeah um so brown then said that she had warned gwen that the men were quote-unquote very angry yeah Um, but it's your fault (laughs) exactly thank you thank you um so then emmanuel manny merrill uh paul and jose's brother later said that he actually tried to get gwen out of the house but had been stopped by Magidson and neighbors. Um, so after Gwen attempted to leave and was forbidden from doing so, Magidson grabbed her skirt and underwear in an attempt to expose her genitals. Um, he then punched her in the face, knocking her to the ground, and put her in a chokehold before he was pulled off by others. Jose then struck Gwen with a can of cat food, denting the can and cutting her head. Um, Then he hit her with a frying pan. Gwen begged the men to stop saying, quote, no, please don't. I have a family. End quote. Yeah, just let her leave. Like, Mm -hmm. you're so pissed off and everything. Just like, let her leave and like, she can never come back or whatever. Like, (laughs) like she'd want to. Yeah. Um, But why 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 go through all this what what is the purpose of this i wish i hatred bigotry like take your pick um brown later said the men quote were tripping because she was smaller than me and just as strong she fought like a guy end quote no she fought like a girl trying to get the fuck out of a dangerous situation she She was fighting for her fucking life that's exactly what i was gonna say she fought like somebody who was in real danger not like a scrappy little like whatever fight like, yes this isn't a house when, party fight yeah your body takes over it's like when when women can like lift cars because their kids yes. are like under it or something like that it's like yes. that intense like adrenaline rush yes 
so allegedly the last words jose heard gwen speak were quote i told you i was sorry end quote mm. at some point after that while gwen was still bleeding in the living room brown woke paul merrill up uh they left the house with manny merrill who later testified that he had walked to a convenience store to buy gum then went to a friend's house to spend the night um mm -hmm. so with four or the three of them out of the house uh brown recalled that she had left they drove around the block they returned to the house to see neighbors and Kazara's leaving in maggotson's truck and they had gone to Kazaris's house to get shovels and a pickaxe because as they were leaving, they said that the other men were going to, quote, kill that bitch, end quote. Mm. So when they came back, Gwen was still conscious, bleeding from her head wound and sitting on the couch. Jose then ordered her to get off the couch because she was getting blood on it. Oh, my God. Um, at some point after that, they continued to assault her with neighbors and Kazaras, urging the others to, quote, knock the bitch out, end quote, according to neighbors testimony later on we'll get to that uh Magidson hit gwen's head against the living room wall with his knee to the point that it dented the wall and cracked the plaster and gwen Jesus. was knocked unconscious Kazaris then kicked her and Magidson bound her wrists and ankles and jose who was more concerned with cleaning gwen's blood off the couch and carpet then went to his room so that the other men wouldn't see him crying hmm Toxic masculinity at its finest. Yeah. So Gwen was then wrapped in a comforter to minimize the amount of blood staining the carpet. They were more concerned about the fucking carpet and the couch. Yeah. And this um, is supposed to be a party house. I've never known anybody that has a party house to be concerned about like stains. Every party house I've ever been to looks like, looks like it should be condemned. True, but you know who is concerned about stains? Fucking killers. Yeah, that's true. Um, so she was carried in this comforter into the house's garage. And Jose later said that he thought that she was still alive until he went outside and saw her body in the bed of Magidson's truck. Uh, Magidson, Jose... Cazares and neighbors then drove four hours to the Silver Forks campground east of Placerville, California, in El Dorado National Forest to bury Gwen's body in a shallow grave. They then went home, getting breakfast at a McDonald's drive-thru along the way. Mm. And later that morning on the phone, Brown asked Jose what had happened, to which he replied, quote, let's just say she had a long walk home, end quote. Wow. And there's yeah. like, there's like over, like, I don't have the exact count. There's over four people involved in this mm -hmm. murder and burial and not a single, and then more people at the party mm -hmm. and not a single person had the humanity to be like, Hey, um, let's not do this. I will say again, Manny tried to get her out of the house, but he was stopped. Okay, there's other things you can do. There's but, other things um, that you can do, but I will say the the bare minimum was done, but no, the, not she was failed. Yeah. Quite frankly. Um, so the following day after Gwen was killed on October 5th, 2002, 
Um, her mother, Sylvia, said that normally her daughter would check in with her, um, that she would go out and party sometimes, but that she would always come back. She would always check in. Uh, so when Gwen didn't come home the day after the party, she didn't check in. Um, her mother began to worry and reported her missing. Let me guess. The cops said it was a runaway. Better. Um, first, they didn't take it seriously because she was trans. And yep. then also because she was known to stay away from home overnight. So what's two nights? So uh -huh. about two days after this, a friend of neighbors described him as appearing distraught and, quote, acting like something was bothering him, end quote, according to records. And allegedly he did later confess to this friend that something had happened that night and that they had buried Gwen in the in the woods yeah. or at the campground. By October 9th, Gwen's family had heard rumors about a possible altercation at the party and her aunt gave this information to the police at which point and again this is october 9th she was killed october 4th yeah um they started interviewing the people who attended the party because yeah. nobody came forward nobody yeah. said shit then they convinced they convinced a friend of neighbors to wear a wire and talk to neighbors about the murder and record him doing so so after they got that and the police questioned neighbors, Magidson and Jose Morel on October 15th, 2002, uh, neighbors then took police to where they had dumped Gwen's body. They did more than I thought they were going to do, to be honest. Neighbors? Well, the neighbors, neighbors the, the police investigation. In it. Okay. Because I was like, neighbors is trying to, let me tell you, um, of the people that are in this case, it appears that Neighbors is the only white guy. Okay. So Neighbors did what he could to save his skin, is the vibe that I get. Um, okay. But yes, the police did more than I thought, but then, then it I... It took way too long But it to took do. way too long. Yeah. Way too long. Um, so the Alameda County Coroner's Report, um, upon reviewing Gwen's body, autopsying Gwen's body confirmed that she had died by strangulation and blunt force trauma to the head. Uh, it's not clear at what point during this assault that Gwen died. Um, and what doesn't help is that the men's accounts of what happened differ. Uh, yeah. Neighbors said Magidson. So this is what happened after she was brought into the garage. Um, neighbors said Magidson had strangled her with a rope and that Kazara's hit her in the head with a shovel saying Magidson, quote, wasn't sure if Lita had died from twisting the rope, but once Jason hit her twice with the shovel, he knew she was dead, end quote. Mm. However, neighbors admitted that he didn't actually see Magidson strangling her because he was returning from the garage, just that he had seen him raising the rope to her neck before he left the garage, and that Magidson later told the others, quote, that he had wrapped the rope around Lita's neck and twisted it. End quote. Yeah, but also you're a piece of trash for seeing that there was a rope near somebody's neck and then leaving. Yeah, or seeing somebody hit her in the head with a shovel twice. Yeah, the, the only time you should leave in that situation if you're going to get help. Yeah, no. Kazaris, like a coward, said that he never hit Gwen and didn't see her die. And but you're as culpable as anybody else by just being there. Yep, yep. Yep, yep, yep. And Magidson said that it was actually neighbors who had strangled Gwen and hit her with the shovel, that it wasn't him or 
Kazaris. Yeah, let's just throw everybody else under the bus. Never me. It's never my fault. Yep. And then Jose was like, I was in my room crying. So the news shocked this this town. It was a small, sleepy town. And in fact, the local high school, Newark Memorial High, was actually preparing to stage the Laramie Project um, about the murder of Matthew Shepard four years prior. Yeah. Yeah. Um, When interviewed by SF Gate during the play's rehearsals, the school's drama teacher, Barbara Williams, called it, quote, Laramie in Newark, end quote, Mm. saying, quote, it's like deja vu. There is there hasn't been a lot of teaching today, but a whole lot of learning has taken place, end quote. So. The boys, the bo- not the boys, the men were arrested, but Paul Merrill was released after Brown and Emmanuel Manny Merrill told the police that he had left the scene with them. Um, so it was just Magidson, Jose Morell, and neighbors who were charged and arraigned for Gwen's murder on October 18th, 2002. Mm-hmm. Gwen's mother, Sylvia Guerrero, retained a high-profile Los Angeles attorney, Gloria Allred, who you may, we haven't covered it yet, we will get to it, but you may recognize that name because she represented the family of Nicole Brown Simpson mm. um, and has also been honored for her work on behalf of women's rights. Okay. So, and and Gloria Allred was very, like she helped bring attention to the case, but she also was just like, like I, I really admire that she took this case on. Like, for a mm-hmm. trans woman. Yeah. Um, so neighbors pleaded not guilty on October 24th, at which point Magidson was still looking for a tur- an attorney, and Jose Merrill was still reviewing the evidence against him, but in an interview with the Los Angeles Times said he was confident that the charges would be dropped. Okay. <laughs> Fucking okay. How? But sure. Yeah. So the day after neighbors pleaded guilty on October 25th, 2002, uh, that was the day of Gwen's funeral. Um, it was held at St. Edward's Catholic Church in Newark, California. And her mother released 17 butterflies, one for every year she was alive, in her memory. Mm. And she was laid to rest as a woman with makeup on in women's clothing and buried at Hollywood Forever Cemetery, where her tombstone does indeed say Gwen Araujo. Mm-hmm. Um, while being held in Santa Rita Jail in Dublin, Neighbors wrote a letter to his girlfriend, which was immediately intercepted by sheriff's officials. And in this letter, he stated that the men had discussed a, quote, soprano type plan, end quote, to, quote, kill the bitch and get rid of her body, end quote, which led to, because he named names in this letter, the arrest of Cazares on November 16th, mm-hmm. 2002. Got him. So... On February 24th, 2003, uh, neighbors pled guilty to voluntary manslaughter and in exchange for a reduced sentence, 11 years in prison, agreed to testify against his three friends in court. Okay. So Sylvia, meanwhile, had faced several hardships following her daughter's death, including losing her job and being diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder uh, from, from this incident. Yeah. And one year after Gwen's murder on October 3rd, 2003, uh, she, Sylvia accepted an award from the Horizons Foundation to speak at local schools and promote a 
to promote uh, more acceptance towards kindness towards trans people. Okay. On March 15th, 2004, the trial for Gwen's murder began. Um, the charges on the table were murder and also hate crime. Mm-hmm. So during this, the defense attorney, Tony Sarah, who represented Cazares, uh, because neighbors was, what's the word that I'm looking for, testifying against his friends. Um, Tony Sarah was attacking neighbors' credibility and accused him of being the primary aggressor and blaming his friends for murder, something that Cazares and, had had kind of backed up because like i said he said that he had nothing to do with it that it was all neighbors maggotson said it was all neighbors uh-huh so on may 24th 2004 the defense maintained that gwen had tricked the defendants into having sex with her yeah she tricked all of them yeah I'm they sure all were did. fooled wow what a mm-hmm. what a con artist joanne the scammer has has nothing on gwen so a psychologist who was called in by the defense told the jury that a a young man is likely to panic and overreact violently if he were to find out that a woman he was sexually intimate with turned out to be biologically male. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot wrong with this. So maybe it's up to the man to kind of chill the fuck out and think rationally for a second. Yeah, well, and in my scientific opinion, it's also a crock of fucking shit because that is directly related to you failing to raise your children to be kind and accepting of all people. Yeah. Like, like you're miss not, me with that bullshit. You're not the, the type of person that someone would be comfortable disclosing information with, so maybe there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, quite frankly, like, just... You did not. There's no excusing the behavior that followed finding out that Gwen was trans. Like yeah. there's no, there's no excuse for it. That was yeah. If absolutely in, nothing justifies murder. If at yeah, if at the time of the intimate act, you find out, you'd be like, okay, well, actually, that's not like something I'm super into. So let's I, end this here. Yeah. So I'm gonna and, use. And that's I'm it, gonna just use. Bye. Yeah, I'm gonna use my no, and we're yeah. gonna get out of this situation, and yeah. uh, that's that. Yeah, we're not gonna. I don't know. Fucking kill somebody brutally, yeah. and then bury them like an animal at a campground in a shallow grave. Yeah. So, unfortunately, despite you and I having common sense, the jury didn't really. Uh, they were unable to reach a guilty verdict. They deadlocked seven to five in favor of convicting Madison Magidson on a first degree murder charge. And they were stuck 10 to two in favor of acquitting Jose Merrill and Jason Cazares. Crazy. Yep. And so that forced the judge to declare a mistrial on June 22nd, 2004. Um, activists condemned this as a huge setback for trans rights and deputy district attorney chris lamiro announced that he would be seeking a second trial um and so the day after the mistrial a judge granted sylvia's request to legally have her daughter's name changed to gwen amber rose araujo um Mm -hmm. she also requested that attorneys from that point forward only refer to her daughter as gwen because her dead name had been used a lot in the court in press coverage in all of it okay um 
even the wrong pronouns were frequently used. A lot of the, I, I couldn't really use any quotes even, or I shouldn't say I couldn't, I wasn't comfortable using a lot of quotes from even her mother, um, her from from people who tried the case, people who represented various people, all because the wrong name and Names. pronouns were used. Yeah. Yes. Um, so the following day, the day after uh, Gwen legally was named, posthumously legally named Gwen, um, her mother Sylvia spoke at the first trans march held on the Friday before the Pride Parade in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. um, an estimated 3,000 people marched from Dolores Park to the Civic Center where a rally was held. Mm -hmm. So the following year, on May 9th, 2005, jury selections began for the second trial. A pr The presi presiding judge issued a gag order barring the attorneys trying this case from speaking to the media. And Jose Merrill testified and admitted that he, at the time of the murder, was ignorant about his perception of sexuality. However, he refused to answer the prosecutor's questions about how Gwen died. Mm -hmm. Magidson also testified, and under cross-examination, he admitted to receiving oral sex from Gwen the night that she was killed. Despite going into this party being like, we're going to find out if she's a man. You didn't care that much, apparently. Yeah. So on September 12, 2005, the jury found Michael Magidson and Jose Merrill guilty of second-degree murder, but not of committing a hate crime. The jury deadlocked 9-3 to three in favor of also convicting Jason Cazares. Um, at a vigil later that night at the LGBT Center of San Francisco, um, there, there was a lot of what's the word that I'm looking for? Disappointment that they were not convicted of first degree murder. Yeah. But it was still considered to be a huge victory for trans rights. Mm -hmm. On January 27, 2006, Magidson and Jose Merrill were sentenced to 15 years to life in prison for the murder of Gwen Araujo. Uh, Cazares struck a deal with prosecutors to avoid a third trial and instead accepted a six-year prison sentence for involuntary manslaughter, which is the same uh, charge that Neighbors was given with the 11-year prison sentence. Mm -hmm. And at the sentencing, Jose was the only one to apologize to Gwen's family. Magidson did not show any remorse. Great. Yeah. Nice guy. Yeah. So... In July 2012, Jason Cazares was released from prison. Um, Jaron Neighbors was released early, like for good behavior, sometime before 2016. For the life of me, I could not fucking find when he was released. It, I don't know if it was sealed or what. Mm -hmm. um, Jose Merrill was granted parole in 2016 with the support of Gwen's mother, Sylvia. And Michael Magidson said that he was not ready for release at his parole hearing in 2016. Uh, Guerrero, Sylvia Guerrero, also opposed his release. And then he was denied parole again in September 2019. But during this hearing, at least, uh, Guerrero said that he had apologized for his crimes for the first time, according to the Bay Area reporter. Took you long enough. Yeah, it only took fucking over a decade. Like, I, I just, I can't. 
Um, so we're going to get into the pop culture side of things because that's the best that I can do right now. And everything sucks. Yeah. It's just <laughs> a frustrating case. Yep. So a Lifetime movie titled A Girl Like Me, the Gwen Araujo story, uh, premiered on it premiered in June 2006. Um, it stars J.D. Pardo as Gwen. I don't love that they cast a male actor in yeah. this. When was this? Um, when, when did this come out? June 19th, 2006. Okay. Um, but then also it starred Mercedes Rule as her mother um, and uh, Ruel. I'm, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce her name, but you would know her face. Okay. You you specifically, Haley, would know her face. Um, like she was in The Fisher King. She was in Married to the Mob. Um, I've seen neither of these things. Lost in Yonkers? Nope. All right. I, I got nothing for you then. Uh, she's, she's, I think she's, I think she's like an Oscar short of an EGOT. If memory serves me correctly, or or an Emmy short of an EGOT, I think I she I think she's that, missing the E. I just went through that entire list the other day because um, what's his name, Elton John just got an EGOT. Yeah, yeah, he did. So I was looking at a bunch of people that didn't have it, and mm-hmm. do you know that there's only one person to double EGOT? He has every award twice. Fuck. Is it and Mel Brooks? Young, and no, and he's the youngest wow. person to ever get the EGOT. It is, um, oh my god! You can't, you can't build up I, like this, and I then, and then, what? I'm, I'm looking. No, I'm looking at it right now. He, yeah, uh, don't he's you a dare fucking edge me like this. He's a composer. He wrote, um, um, uh. There's so uh, many composers. Hail. He wrote Let It Go. He wrote Avenue Q, the music for Avenue Q. He wrote oh, the music for fuck. Book of Mormon. Uh, raw. Uh, fuck. Hold on. I can't Fuck. believe I forgot his name. I love him. I can't think of his name. Robert Lopez. Feel- Robert Lopez. And his wife, Christian Anderson Lopez, is um, just a Tony away from getting an EGOT, oh, I think. good for I think you. He's, I think he's close to triple EGOTing. Hell yeah. I love that for him. Yeah. So, yeah, and he got it when he was like 36 or whatever. Good. But, yeah, he hey, deserves it. Never too early, never too late. Yeah. Maybe too early. I don't know. I've got kind of an ick about child acting, but never too early, yeah. never too late. Um, I think of it differently now listening to the, the Boy Meets World podcast. And and seeing other yeah. Um but back to we're we're back we're back on the train tracks, I promise. Um so for a girl like me, it also stars uh if you ever watched Def- Desperate Housewives, it's got Lupe Antiveros. Okay. Um she was what's his name's mom she was gabby's mother-in-law um if memory serves me correctly i i'm 99 sure because i was like oh i know her um and then it also stars avin jogia in his first role like ever who he like um he's currently dating halsey <laughs> i'm trying to think of Haley said what did you say to me the other day that I'm your I'm your lifeline oh, to the youth or whatever it my, is. My young people correspondent. Yes, I don't yes, know, that's what it is. I don't is. know anything about <laughs> what the young people are doing or yes. saying or All right. listening to or watching or. Yeah. All right, he was in Zombieland Double Tap. He was in I Victorious. Okay, okay, okay. He was the hot hippie guy. 
And oh, now he's no, the hot yeah, hippie guy I, dating Halsey. I know who he is in Victorious, too. I watched Victorious for a second. Okay. okay yeah, okay, I know who that okay, is. Okay. Yeah. So, that, yeah, this was his first role, which I was like, wow. oh, good for you. Um, and so the movie has a 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb, a 91% Google score, and a 90% and a ninety audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Whoa. I know. Um, and so if you want to watch it, you can watch it for free right now on Tubi. Yay. Um, yeah, we love that. We love accessibility. So next up on September 28, 2006, uh, then governor of California, or should I say governator, Mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger signed the Gwen Araujo Justice for Victims Act, which requires juries to be informed that they are forbidden from making decisions based on any victim's gender or sexual orientation during a trial. Um, I feel like that's like common really, sense. It's a common sense, but I also don't know. Like that's always going to be a bias that just people have. Yeah. So I just don't know how like. I believe that's what effective it is. I believe that's what they mean when they say informed that they are forbidden is that what I gathered from that is I've never made it to this point of jury duty. But when they ask you all of the questions that that has to do with. Oh, yeah. Like, do you have a problem with like. Yes. Yes. That they're being informed of this and therefore seeing how they react, much less hearing their reactions can help. Yeah, because I wouldn't want them out. I wouldn't want like a MAGA florida person no. to be on the tr- the jury for a trial for a trans kid like leave uh, the swamp no. lizards in the swamp yeah. um shout out to our listeners in florida because you're cool you're fine um you're the good ones you're 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 one of the good ones yeah you're like the jimmy buffets <laughs> of florida <laughs> the jimmy buffets the tom petties um so yeah but i do appreciate though that she was memorialized in this law um and that she hasn't been forgotten for lack of a better word um that that this is i i i wouldn't want this to happen to anybody but the fact that something good did end up coming from it and i also really um it makes me feel better like i could appreciate that she was put to rest as who she actually was because yes. we have we have covered cases before of um trans victims that were um put Not. to rest as their dead names and their yes yeah their dead identities yes which is really heartbreaking yes no and and from what i've seen she's been very well remembered as gwen not mm-hmm. her dead name by her dead yeah. name um This case was also the subject of a 2007 documentary by Michelle Provost called Trained in the Ways of Men, which examines the murder and basically debunks the trans panic defense, um, which is what the defense led with in this trial. Yeah, they said, like, they find out this person is trans and they freak out. Yeah. Yeah. so it has a 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb and a 50% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. You can watch it for free on Tubi. It's a big day for Tubi, apparently. Yeah. Um, two for Tubi. And then after that, we have a episode of the ID channel, Investigation Discovery Channel's Fatal Encounters, uh, specifically season one, yeah. episode eight. 
deadly ID. Um, and the episode first aired on May 7th, 2012, my hey, birthday. That's my birthday. I, I, I think I became legal that day. I think, Whoa. I think, I think I became legal that day, but I need to do math and I don't have time for math legally right now. Legally a this person. Legally a person. Um, and it explored the timeline from both the dramatized perspectives of both Gwen and Maggotson. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you like if you like id if you want to sometimes those dramatizations could be a bit much but i haven't seen it so i don't know yeah i i mean that's kind of i feel like the whole mo of investigation discovery yeah and like those (laughs) that's like its own genre of show really yeah um but you can watch it on the prime video channel true crime files by investigation discovery which is also something i don't really love is that it's got that that prime is doing its own channels for this yeah stuff now um but whatever if you have prime uh go for it um and the episode is actually one of the highest rated episodes of that season with a 9.6 out of 10 on imdb oh wow so yes um and then next up we've got another positive from the social side of things. On September 29th, 2014, then California governor, I have no fun nicknames for him, Jerry Brown, assigned Assembly Bill number 2501 into law, which stated that fear or surprise of a victim's sexual orientation or gender identity is not a legitimate legal defense when justifying an assault. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Oh, I, AKA, I like that yes. AKA, in, in lay people's terms, this made California the first state to ban trans panic defense as a defense. Yeah. Um, when Assemblywoman Susan A. Bonilla introduced the bill in partnership with Equality California, they actually cited Gwen's murder as well as the murder of uh, California teen Larry King, who was murdered for being gay, not that Larry King, another kid, um, uh-huh. in 2008 as the driving forces for this law being in- in- introduced. So. Okay. Again, Gwen made change, and that's, I mean, she wanted to make a difference. She wanted to go to Hollywood. She wanted to be an, a, a um, makeup Make artist. And it, it, while she wasn't able to live those dreams, the acts that have come in the wake of her murder are, it, it, like, it's hard to, it's hard. It's hard to justify these acts like they should have been in place anyway yeah they should have been in place for her not because of her yes thank you that's the perfect way of putting it um and at the end of the day like she is still gone she is still dead she was still brutally tortured and killed yeah she was still a kid too she was she was she was 17 she was 17 and these were like grown-ass men they were 22 years old and 19 um so finally we have well, we have two more, actually. Semi-finally. Um, we have an episode of another Investigation Discovery series, uh, Murder Among Friends. And this is season two, episode four, titled Murder Party, which aired on July 6, 2017, and has that type of a, like, let's name these episodes. Um, this is also one of the most... Uh, highly rated episodes of this series. It has an okay. 8.4 out of 10 on IMDb 
and it again dramatizes the the whole situation and the events but it examines Gwen's background uh what led up to her murder the aftermath um the backgrounds of the killers and friends how they got caught and it features interviews with Sylvia uh various friends and victims advocates and showed actual photos of Gwen and her murderers and how the court trials went Mm -hmm. um and then finally we have the documentary being gwen a life and death story and that actually i started to say just came out but then i realized what year it is it came out in 2022 though so okay not that long ago but it was on the it was it was not on on but it was surrounding the anniversary of gwen's murder Mm -hmm. um it, it 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 i i it's hard to wrap my head around it honestly like they were like oh 20 years later and it's like wow yeah just like a snap um if if you want to watch it there are a variety of ways to do so um i think i said at the top i got a lot of my information from abc um this is an abc7 originals documentary um it's got a 7 out of 10 on imdb and you can watch it on Hulu, you can watch it on Apple TV, um, you can watch it on ABC, but you can also, I found it for free on YouTube, so oh, you can okay. watch it there too. Um, but yeah, and that's one of the ones that I was talking about or that you had brought up at the beginning of this, that they do use Gwen's dead name. But, but they have a disclaimer they, about it in the They beginning. have a disclaimer at the beginning. Um, mm. They have a trigger warning at the beginning. They have a disclaimer at the beginning. And you are not a weak person or a bad person for saying hey this is too much for me i don't think i have the space to watch this or listen to this right now um so protect yourself first but at the same time if you've listened this far that's the story of gwen araujo and i mean it deserves to be told she deserves to she deserves to have her story told yeah and obviously like we said she's going to live on through those acts that were put in place um after her murder but yes but and, and hopefully also, that saves a lot of but also trans I think, kids i think that this is a great not a great but i think it's an important example of speak up for other people like there were so many people at this fucking party yeah and just being kind to one another leading with love and with acceptance but also somebody could have very easily stopped this from happening somebody could have like and not like physically by putting themselves in a situation of harm they could have called somebody there's multiple ways to help somebody and, there's there's uh, multiple everyone, ways everyone chose nothing yeah um so just i i hate to say it like oh take this as a lesson but just just think like there's a family out there now that does not have like she'd be almost 40 mm-hmm. she she'd she'd have a life she who knows who she could have become and that was stolen from her that was stolen from her family and we are in a very unfortunate place in 
our society and in our country where this can still happen and where people can still be bigoted and hateful towards trans people even without killing them and we need to we need to do everything that we can to protect trans kids protect trans people yeah Um, and just get i think a lot of it comes from misinformation and just not having knowledge and that's kind of i mean it's up to us to to educate and to get information out there but there's a lot of places that are trying to suppress that information mm-hmm. that um it needs to be brought to light like this is what these high up people are doing and it's only going to hurt our our whole society it's not a thing of like just protecting just protecting trans kids it's also hurting the society as a whole by not yes. having information out there about other ways of living yeah just because it's not a lifestyle that you chose for yourself that you it's i shouldn't even say that because it's not something that you choose but it's just because it's not your lifestyle it's not your life yes does not mean stuff that's like not familiar to you is scary yes like it is scary but that's why we need the knowledge and the information out there because as you learn it it gets less scary exactly once you learn it's not scary anymore and if you and still don't agree with it, just remove yourself from me. that situation. But <laughs> or that. It's also or that. It's remove yourself from the situation and, you know, like, get If a, they're not hurting you, get they're away not hurting from themselves. People. And this doesn't just go for being a member of the LGBTQIA community, but just it's my personal kind of mantra. If if someone is not hurting you, if they're not hurting themselves, then just leave it the fuck alone. You don't yeah. need to be involved. It's yeah. not it doesn't have anything to do with you. If you don't like Just something, if you don't agree off. with something, then remove yourself from that place in that situation. Yeah. It's not it good for anybody. Yeah. Nothing, not everything has to be up to your specific uh, requirements and standards. Yeah. Um, You're going to be uncomfortable in life. Get over it. Truly. Truly. Um, I believe there's, there's something called bootstraps that we're supposed to be picking up. Yeah. Um, marvelous how the people who, who throw the bootstraps out there are very often the ones who are not, but have seemed to have lost their bootstraps. Um, yeah. Why don't yeah. you tell us uh, your palate cleanser? All right. So my palate cleanser is um, today, on this day that we are recording, it is my grandma's birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, I love her fiercely, and yeah. she is one of the reasons why I am the person I am today um in a good way uh nobody nobody blame my grandma for all of the bad things she's responsible for only the good um and i'm very thankful to her for that and i'm very proud to be her granddaughter but also just and i think that this kind of extends with the theme of today's episode to like just find a loved one and hug them love them yeah um and that's that's my palate cleanser is they don't have to be a blood relative. They don't have to be a relative at all. But everybody's got somebody in their life who is just you think of a champion in your life. Um, and my grandma is one of mine. And just show those show those people who are champions in your life a little bit of extra love. Um, and then this isn't a palate cleanser. This is more advice. <laughs> OK. Um, but just. 
remember that you're not weird or that you're not like it's it's cool to be yourself it is cool to be true to yourself and there's nothing wrong with liking what you like and being who you are again as long as you're not hurting somebody or yourself um just the coolest thing that you could possibly be is yourself and there's no harm in being different it's what makes you who you are so don't try to hide that yeah and the more you're yourself the more you're going to attract people that are like into your whole vibe and it's so much better being friends with people who are a hundred percent on your side rather than like trying to be somebody else for other people yeah it only hurts you it only harms you and then you can't do fun things like start a podcast with a friend yeah who is just as weird as you are if not in different ways (laughs) well it's not like i was cutting teeny tiny strips of fabric to make stuffing the entire episode yeah i'm proud of you um but yeah tell them what they've won hale um you have won access to our (laughs) social medias facebook instagram twitter our website crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com our email crimeculturepod at gmail.com and um also our patreon you yep. can join for as little as a dollar, as much as whatever you want. We said at the beginning of this episode, you can get episodes early by joining the Patreon. You can uh, vote on episodes that are coming out. Next week is a Patreon poll pick. Yeah, it is. So uh, if you join at a tier that allows that, you can have a say in what we talk about. And um, you don't need to be a part of the Patreon, but we hope you do. Uh but if you want to be a part of our community even more, you can message us on any of our social media for the link to our Discord. We share fun stuff in there, recommendations, good news, pictures of our pets. I post spoilers on Mondays uh, for episodes upcoming, and it's a good time. Yeah, I yeah. agree with all of this. Okay, cool. So I guess with that, yeah, we're going to see you next Tuesday. My next, oh no, the next episode is a Patreon poll pick. Yes. So we don't know if that's going to be a huge bummer yet, but my we're next episode, <laughs> my next episode is kind of also a bummer. So well, if you're here for the, the funs and the laughs, maybe go listen to the archives for a funny, fun, goofy, good time. But come for the good times. Stay for the depression. Yeah. Maybe. All right. Uh, We're going to see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Bye.